of God, creating, redeeming, and giving life. Amen. It's been a week, hasn't it? Very interesting week for our nation. It's been actually a big week of celebration in our family. And it's been a week of exciting new things at Miraval School, um, where I work. It's been a week of peacemaking for some of those of us who gathered with the interfaith community on Tuesday night. And of course, it's been a big week for our country with elections and the amazing result last night. I want to talk to you a little bit about all of those things and then uh, attempt to connect them up to the Gospel reading for today. So beginning with our family, uh, over three weeks ago, all three of our adult children had job interviews. And it was really strange for them all to be seeking new jobs at the same time. None of the employers got back to them quickly. So for over two weeks, for each of them, there was silence and they all thought their chances were slim because it had been so long. But on Monday of this week just past, at 5.25pm, we got a message from Michael in Wellington, I have a new job! I am the PX intern for Optimal Workshop. And I said, that's awesome, but what does that mean? I don't understand any of those words except intern. PX stands for Personal Experience, and it's a new term in the HR area. So um, at this stage, Michael's an intern because they're creating a new position, so they just want to test it out. Uh, but he said he's going to be indispensable by March and will become the new PX officer. The optimal workshop, I had to look it up. It's to do with websites and research and things that I didn't completely understand, but there we go, Michael has a new job. That was Monday. On Tuesday at 11.15, there's a message on our family Facebook group, I got the writing job at the Women's Weekly, followed by lots of exclamation marks. So as most of you know, our daughter Rebecca worked for the Women's Day and was made redundant when those magazines all folded at the beginning of lockdown. And she's been living at home, unemployed, since then. So it's actually been a long, very boring six months for her. Um, this new job is a big step up. She's actually one of the writers now, and she's very excited because writing is her career goal. That was Tuesday. One to go. On Wednesday, at 4pm, there's a message from Kate in Auckland. I have just been offered the role of Consulting Psychologist Liaison on the Paediatric Ward at Middlemore Hospital. She also noted, I am super excited and terrified. John and I are also super excited about these new jobs and the possibilities they will bring for our children. And I can just feel that level of nervousness that was about here has just dissipated. So that's family. It's been a week for us. Uh, it was the first week of term at Merivale and every other school in the country, but we have joined the government-provided lunches program. And how that works is the government's put up um, a budget of $5 per head for mostly decile 1, 2 and 3 schools who opted to join in. And many of them, I think, have tended out to caterers, so they're not doing it within school. 
um, Bay Catering is the caterer we chose. So we're a small Desai 1 school, we now have about 190 children. And every adult, let me say that the other way, every child and every adult in the school is now provided with a lunch box every day. It's just a small box made out of recycled cardboard and it's delivered at noon. In our first week, there was some really yummy things and something different every day. We've had a filled roll, a wrap, corn fritters, a sausage roll, there's been a cake of some kind and a mix of dried fruit, carrot sticks, crackers, dried banana chips, popcorn, and one day there was a yogurt. So we understand from the caterers that they've got about 10 different menus, so we hope in our second week to be trying lots of new things again. I teach five-year-olds, and it's been challenging for some of them. They are seeing food that they've never seen before sometimes, banana chips was one. Um, and I think everybody in my class has seen and sometimes tried a new food. Some are bold and hungry and give anything a go, and others are less daring, and I actually have had to hold the food and say, take a bite and put it in their mouth just to give it a go. And sometimes that was, oh yeah, this is pretty good, and other times it went in the bin. Um, the children can take any leftovers home, and if there are some children away and there are spare lunch boxes, those can go home as well. Uh, it's certainly been enough to fill me up till dinner time so that I know that it's good for the kids. And it's actually really nice, we all sit down together, we've been coming inside, sitting at tables, and everybody gets their box and we all open to see what's in our lunch today. Most of the families at our school are materially poor compared to you and I. Um, a few families never really sent their children with food, so they relied on food that we did have at school. Others provided lunch most of the time, and some people would keep their children at home if they didn't have lunch because they were too embarrassed to send them. So already we've experienced a bit of a spike in attendance this week, and it's possible that the lunches may be the reason for that. A slight aside, we have a competition about attendance at school to try and get the kids hooked into coming. Uh, we started it last term and there's a really lovely trophy. Um, it's sort of a koru-shaped porcelain green stone looking thing. It's about this big. So on Fridays, um, we work out which classes have the most 100% attendance days. Well, I got through last term with no 100% days and I sang Poor me, we're never going to win this trophy. And then the very first day of last week, 100%. Second day, 100%. Great. Right. There was another class that got 100%, but they said, oh, I could have the trophy because we've not won it before. So, very exciting. On Tuesday night, um, some of us here gathered with people from other faith groups to hear a little bit about their faith group and join in prayers for peace together. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it Cliff, to sit with just people like you and I in an ordinary city here in Tauranga and comfortably sing together with the Hare Krishnas, their worship, singing the name of their God. Or to close our eyes and bow our heads as we're led in prayer by the Sikh priest. A representative from the Sikhs had explained the words that the priest would be saying, there is one God, victory belongs to God, God the helper of the helpless, the strength of the weak, the supporter of the fallen, the true father of us all. 
We had no difficulty joining in that prayer with the Sikhs. The Baha'is, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Quakers, and several other Christian denominations each spoke a little about their faith and prayed respectfully and reverentially in a way that all were invited to join in, to be at peace and to pray for peace. John reminded us at the end that although this event has now been held for seven years and we haven't really cracked peace in our world, um, there are steps every time we gather. So every time someone new comes to that event and hears a little bit about the faith of another group, we make peace with each other. I think some of you would probably remember a time in your childhood when your parents would have actively encouraged you not to mix with Catholics. Do you remember that? They were very much the other. Well, we've come a long way since then to the point now where we can gather with people of completely different faiths. So we build peace each time we find out a little more about each other and be at peace with each other. There's been an election. And you know, as I watched the TV clips during this last week of the key leaders and some others just out on the streets talking endlessly to people, um, it just made me reflect on the readings we've had about Jesus in the last few weeks and him in the crowds and people coming up either swamping him and wanting to be with him or coming to trap him with their wily questions and just to see uh, if he was going to uh, put himself in danger with what he would say. And I thought really that's what many of our politicians do in the campaign train. They're just out all day with people uh, either swamping them with praise or trying to trip them up. And somehow, day after day, they have to be focused and polite and upbeat. It must be exhausting. But enough about that election. There was an important election on Friday, and that was at our school. And it's the first time we've done this. So eight parties of senior students presented their slogans and their key policy platforms at assembly on Friday and then everyone in the school had to vote. It was extremely well organised, and the 10-year-old officials in the voting room, I think, could have been at any of our polling booths and done a very, very good job. They knew exactly what to do, they were polite, they managed the children very quietly and explained to them what they needed to do. Um, the main criteria for their policy statements was that they had to actually be able to do it. So they couldn't do something crazy that wasn't within their reach. And these are some of the parties they came up with. There was an SFA party, Sport for All. And it was a group of boys and they promised to take any junior children who wanted to learn a, a game and teach them. There was a Friends Forever party who campaigned on no child feeling lonely in the playground. If they saw a child alone, they would approach them and offer to play with them. There was a Make Learning Fun party. I quite like this because it was particularly good for teachers. They promoted ways to make teachers happy because when teachers are happy and smiling, learning is fun. And there was a rugby party. 
group of boys who loved rugby. And I heard that initially they had promised to take any rugby player and train them up to be an all-black. But that didn't pass the reality test, so they had to rethink. So instead, they said rugby, being a good rugby player, requires a lot of skills and a lot of attitudes, and we will help anyone who wants to develop those skills and attitudes, even if they don't play the sacred game. It was such a good experience and so well organised, I'm really sure that many of those children went home and said to their whānau, have you voted? You've got to do it. And in fact, I didn't vote because I was busy taking photos of my class and 15 minutes later there were officials at my door with a list. Fire you haven't voted, you need to come now. So, I went. Connecting with the Matthew story, I just want to connect with Jesus' response at the end, not the questions that were designed to trap him. So when he asked for the coin that was used for taxes, he got something physical. They gave him a coin that looks just like this, and I can just imagine him turning it over in his hand as he spoke to them. And he said, look at that image. And you give to that person what is required, which is this coin and many of them. But what is the image of God? And what does God require if we to pay God? If Jesus had asked to see something made for God and bearing the image of God, we have no coin, we have no icon, but we do have ourselves. You and I are the payment. We are made in the image of God. All humankind bears God's image. So how do we, bearing the image of God, give to God what God requires? The whole gospel is about Jesus telling us what the kingdom of God is like and calling on us to pay to God by being committed to whatever brings wholeness, transformation, justice, healing, by caring for the poor, the outcast, and the rejected. We're called to look beyond ourselves and our family and work for the good of all in our community, our country, our world. In fact, for all creation. Jesus said, give to the God the things that are God's, or everything is God's the earth, the heavens, and all that dwell in them. We really can't give God anything except to live out God in a transformative way when we are. So as I look back on all those things in my week, I could see God at work in so many ways, through people making decisions and living their lives for the greater good. Regarding our children and their success this week, it actually made me think about the many, many people, other than John and I, who have believed in our children since they were little, who've nurtured their talents as they began to appear, who've helped them see potential in themselves, people who've supported them through difficult times. Many, many people have been godly for our children, showing them what the kingdom of God is like, showing them that they are loved, and modelling how to look beyond themselves and see that they have a role to play in transforming the world. 
and I'm really proud of them for being young people who are working to do their best to reduce their impact on the environment. They're all generous and caring. They're all political and thinking about decisions for the, um, for the wider good. Rebecca um, has been campaign campaigning for the last few weeks and just really enjoyed being involved in that process. When I look at our children being fed at school, it's because leaders in our community and our government have determined that feeding the hungry is a priority. They're transforming the lives of our children by giving them food. It's not a perfect solution, but it is the kind of alternative view that Jesus gives us a vision of. Feed the hungry. All humankind is made in the image of God, and when we gathered in prayer on Tuesday night with people from other faiths, we were explicitly enacting that truth. We were saying to each other that each of us is made in the image of God, no matter how we name God or how we approach God. So all those who gathered here in Tauranga, people who gathered in other cities and towns around our country, and people who gathered around the world to do just what we did, were giving to God a vision of humanity where all are loved and accepted. A vision of a world where we can be at peace. And finally, to the election, the one at Miramar School. All of the parties at the school, the senior students, were promoting kindness, respect, and looking after the most vulnerable at school. These children were articulating an alternative way of being community, where the well-being of another is important. They were displaying the image of God at our school and giving to God what is God's. There's a line from a hymn that we sing, sometimes an old one. King of glory, king of peace, that hymn. The second verse begins with, Seven whole days, not one in seven, I will praise you. And so as I've looked back over my seven days, I've seen the image of God in many different ways. And I encourage you in the seven days ahead to look around you really carefully and see God reflected in those you meet and to see how you can be God's image this week.